0: Hey, good morning. morning.
1: Mm. Snuffleupagus. Hey, do you know what happened
0: on, it was July 11th, 1997? Does that, no, June 11th, sorry, June 11th, 1997. Does that date mean anything to you?
1: Mm-mm, no, it doesn't. What does it mean to you?
0: Well, I, I, it means a lot, but I think some of our listeners, or maybe the one, would recall that in 1997, June 11th, that was the flu game. Does that mean anything to you, that expression? No. The flu game?
1: Yeah,
0: That was uh, NBA Finals in Utah, Bulls against the Jazz. I think it was a game four. And uh, Jordan played with what the announcers called uh, a stomach flu. Ew. Yeah. And uh, he looked horrible. I mean, there, there are pictures. If you, if you type in the flu game, MJ, uh, you'll see these pictures of him hanging on Scotty Pippen, yeah. the power forward. Yeah. And just, you know, Pippen dragging him off the field at like the Ugh. end of the game. Yeah. Um,
1: Is that how you're do feeling? You know,
0: do you know the outcome of that game?
1: No, I don't even know what you're talking about. I,
0: well, that you do. Jordan scored 38 points. Uh-huh. The Bulls won 90 88. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying I'm Michael Jordan.
1: Well, I'm glad.
0: But I am saying that.
1: You're, are you going to score thirty eight points? I
0: si- am going to do the verbal equivalent of score <laughs> thirty eight points on this podcast. Oh, that's I'm awesome! Totally I can't wait. You are going to bring it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, game on.
0: This microphone, Carl Malone. My mouth. MJ. I don't. I,
1: maybe we need to be in separate rooms.
0: <laughs> You're, what are you talking about? You are the Scotty Pippen to my AJ. Oh,
1: oh, thanks.
0: Yeah. I, mm. <laughs> what? So it's the Soybean Pest Podcast with um, MJ and Scotty Pippen, <laughs> and it's February 10th, 2017, Season 7, Episode 19. Um, and we have so much to talk about. Yeah. Welcome back. You're mm-hmm. at the uh, Iowa Soybean Association on-farm network symposium.
1: Their annual conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You get to share with them the, the word.
1: Yeah. Um. Scott Nelson, who I think is the, is he's organizing the on-farm network, uh-huh. um, invited me to talk about kind of the state of the union for insect pest resistance in Iowa. Ooh. So I kind of gave a little snapshot of where we are with corn rootworm and then with soybean aphid, um, kind of two different biologies, two different ways to manage the pests. I thought it was a good, you know, uh, description of... Two different systems, but basically ending up in the same way, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. eventually. So I just gave a little snapshot, and then we had a panel discussion with a few folks from industry. Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: So any big, big uh, revelations, insights?
1: Uh, they had a lot of exhibits there. Oh, yeah? And so you could kind of walk around, and there was some industry, <clears throat> and then uh, some things that I'd never seen before. Oh. Um, as oh, far yeah. as, like... On farm technology, so it's a little over my head because I don't have to think about new nozzles, new yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. this and that. So it was just fun to walk around. Do they have
0: uh, drones? <laughs> UAVs. They
1: had us. They had a booth for yeah, 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 but they didn't have them flying around or uh-huh. anything. Not like Lady Gaga, you know.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Ooh, shout out to the <laughs> Li fifty first um, Super Bowl. Yeah. Did you watch that?
1: Of course. Yeah. Yeah.
0: My people were so sick. We were all laying around, like, napping and, and draining, you know, and oh, just miserable. And then I popped up and said, guys, Super Bowl's on. Yeah. And my wife was like, did we miss it? <laughs> and I was like, no, I mean, the game goes on for, you know, a couple hours. She's like, no, not the game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the halftime show? Yeah. That's yeah. all they wanted to see, yeah.
0: And I kid you not, as the game is wrapping up, my, uh, my wife and daughter are like, can we go to bed now? It's like... This is the first Super Bowl in history that's gone into overtime. Yeah. And first
1: to overcome a 10-point deficit, I t- think, too.
0: Tied up, 28-28. And my, my, my daughter and wife are like, can we go to bed
1: now? Yeah, we're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not kind of sports nuts no, like maybe you are. So. I, I don't know
0: I'm a nut, well, yeah. but I know what the flu game is. <laughs> I think they call that a callback. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think
0: it's, all right. So should we move on to uh, – podcast material let's do it hey number one on our topic today is the soybean aphid genome just got published. it's out there done and done
1: 2017 oh my gosh about 17 years after the initial detection well, when in you the say United it States like that, no you I think you know it takes a while
0: it does and you know this is remarkable fun uh, fact fun fact
1: it's the fourth aphid genome now in existence now sequenced it's number four
0: It is number four
1: P All aphid. Right. Russian wheat aphid, green peach aphid, and, and now soybean aphid. Soybean aphid.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Let's give a shout out to uh, Jacob Wenger, who was is the ooh, lead ooh. author, um, along with several other of our colleagues, including Brad Coates here at uh, Iowa State University. He works for the USDA. Yes. Um, and Ashley Yates, a graduate student at Ohio State University that just visited Iowa State a little while ago. She's been collaborating with us in some projects. And in the anchor position? Andy, the Michael. position Andy Michael. Andy oh, Michael. He's the man. He's
1: the man. Oh, man. So many he's ways.
0: Man. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's
0: his world. Mm-hmm. We're just living in it. Yeah. He... Um, yeah he said
1: he said it took about two or three years to sequence the entire yeah and i think when it when you talk about sequencing the genome that's including all of the chromosomal and mitochondrial dna
0: oh i did not realize they did the mitochondria. that's pretty impressive
1: well i think that's how they define sequencing i'm not i'm not sure if that's what we they did
0: not, we are not this smart no <laughs> i just i mean i was just
1: trying to what it, what does it mean to sequence yeah. a genome it includes you know trying to understand all of the sequences for dna that yeah and so for animals, I think that's chromosomal and mitochondrial.
0: And uh, to be fair, this just came out 22nd of January. Um,
1: I'll put a link. Oh, very good. So yeah, people yeah. can look access the, the PDF if they'd like.
0: Um, maybe what we should do is get Brad Coates, who's oh. just down the street, to uh, join us on a little podcast. Where we can talk be more great. about the ins and outs of this. Like, what the, does that mean? Yeah, the paper um, was published in Insect Biochemistry and Molecular Biology. Um, it's in press and the corrected proof is now available um, online. Maybe we should link up to the article that was written about it by the uh, OSU um, sure. press Sure. They office. interviewed Andy. Yeah.
1: So good. I mean, maybe a, a question for the audience and secretly for myself. Why, why would people want to sequence a genome? What do you mean, why? What, what, why? I mean, why other than just why? for research, good to know. Oh, but what What can is, you take away from that?
0: That's fantastic. You can take so much from this. Like I mean, maybe this a is,
1: couple of examples.
0: All right. So um, the genome the genome itself, um, it doesn't tell you anything. I think of it as a tool for asking a lot of questions. And um, specific to my interest in the soybean aphid are um, the uh genetic factors responsible for the aphid's ability to survive on aphid-resistant soybeans. So now we have sort of the map of the whole genome that expresses, that, that creates this organism. And now we can start looking um, in that map, on that map, for where the, the traits are, the genes are that help that aphid break aphid resistance. And if we can, um, if we can identify those, we can start to think of well one ways to identify when we have aphids out in the field that have the genetic you know basis for that resistance and then two you know, it's it's amazing the techniques that are available to us to start disrupting that resistance and who knows you know maybe we could develop rnai gene silencing techniques that would turn off that resistance making an aphid that you know heretofore could survive on aphid-resistant soybeans now, uh, susceptible. Um, so it's you know that's that's one narrow slice, right? Yeah. Of what is possible when you have this map, and then you could start looking for other things. Um, you know, there's clearly uh, overlap with a, your interest with aphids that are resistant to insecticides. Where on that map are the genes that confer that resistance? And once we have those locations, we can start using those as markers to confirm whether there are aphids in a field that have um, that resistance. Anything? I mean... That's excellent. I think, I, I think the first
1: one you talked about was Andy's main interest too, right? Mm-hmm. Is looking at some of the variations within the species to overcome that overcome host plant resistance.
0: To be fair... Um, Andy and I, well, I don't know if this is fair. I'm gonna, uh, kind of, This is more in the realm of tooting my own horn. Andy and I have been working uh, in, on that topic, and we have been providing aphids of the different biotypes to Brad Coates. So now that we have this, uh, what I call, map, we can now look to see if there are differences in those maps across those four biotypes. Mm-hmm. And in, I hope uh, in the next year, maybe, Maybe two years, we could have, you know, markers to identify those biotypes. Right? Because right now, how do we know if we have a biotype? Well, we have to put it on the plant and see if it survives. It's
1: really time. Yeah. Intensive yeah. labor intensive. Yeah, it's more yeah. of a
0: phenotypic screen than a genotypic screen. St- screen. It would be nice to have a genotypic screen. It would speed up research a lot.
1: Make it faster and make it more accurate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so those are all applied questions, right? Yeah. There's all kinds of basic science questions. This is, um, you mentioned three other aphids. Mm-hmm. Some of those are fairly polyphagous. Yeah. That is, they'll feed on a lot of different things. Yeah. Soybean aphid, pretty extremely monophagous. In the summer, it really only feeds on, in, in, in the United States, soybeans. So... Being able to compare the genomes of a polyphagous to a monophagous aphid, one that feeds on a lot of things versus one that doesn't, um, can give us some insight into how that whole... Yeah, how does
1: green developed. peach aphid feed on a lot of different kinds of plants in different plant families so It's pretty unusual.
0: Yeah. yeah, and what are the trade-offs and, and yeah. all. Um, mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that gives uh, our audience, our, <laughs> our listener, some idea of why we are kind of devoting this whole episode. Yeah, this this is a
1: huge milestone and it really relates to both of our research programs. I think it's going to benefit almost everything that we do from now on. And so I'm very excited when um, we heard about that uh, paper coming out.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is cool. Mm -hmm. And um, again, we'll try to get uh, one of the creators, one of the authors on a little bit later.
1: Yeah, it'd be fun to have Brad on the show. Yeah.
0: Oh, and then there's that dead pause. Okay, what more can we say about this? Well, we should point out that um, this was brought to us and to the world through a partnership with USDA, land-grant universities, USDA being somebody like Brad Coates, USDA um, is his employer, Ohio State University, a big part of this, and uh, funding for this came from a uh, couple of sources, several sources. One of them, the North Central Soybean Research Program, which funds, uh, helps fund us, mm-hmm. uh, helps fund several uh, research and extension um, programs. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Uh, throughout the Midwest, throughout the North Central region. Yeah. And this is this money c- to do this work comes from farmers. That you know they in their um, what wisdom have set aside a small pool of money from every sale that can go into helping market um, and improve the production of soybeans in the United States. And I can imagine, you know, to a farmer, it's like, well, why aren't we putting this money into, say, learning more about the soybean genome as opposed to the, this pest genome? Well, the more we grow this Crop the you know in the United States and the more problems we have uh, over time. In order to tap into these really cool uh, tools that would involve uh, exploiting um, the genome of the soybean aphid, we got to know this stuff, right? And yeah. It doesn't come cheap. Although to be fair, it is cheaper now than it was when the first insect genome was done. Mm. Do you, re- you remember the in- the first insect genome that was? Uh, was it the honeybee? Nope.
1: No, I don't know. Close. I mean, that kind of makes sense,
0: given yeah. our sort of interest right now with uh, with the honeybee. But uh, think a little bit deeper about what's a really important insect when it comes to genetics.
1: Oh, um, the fruit fly? Ding, 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 yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, if you, if you understand the genome and then it, you can think about ways to disrupt, like you were talking about. So, yeah, I think... That's, it's, it's really important for an applied sense, but um, also from a research sense. Yeah. So is there anything else on your mind?
0: On my mind? Oh, so many things on my mind.
1: For some reason, I got asked three times this week about how snow cover
0: Influences,
1: yeah, if influences their survival of, over the winter. So I don't know what was going on, if something was in the news or what. But um, for a couple different species, they were asking me how, how can snow cover influence insects?
0: Hmm. You
1: know, does it help them? Does it hurt them? Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. So. Um,
0: What's your response?
1: Uh, I, I guess. There's a lot of reasons why insects can survive the winter or not. Snow cover can play a part. So if we were to have a lot of snow cover out in the landscape for like the duration of the winter, I would say that that's helpful. It provides a layer of insulation in addition to residue or other things that might be on top of the soil. And usually if the soil temps are warmer, that's better for the insects. Because at some point every insect has a temperature at which they kind of get zapped. And I said, ultimately, what's more, I think, more important, especially for insects that overwinter in Iowa, is it gets cold and it stays cold. You don't have, yeah. like, kind of like yeah. this winter, like today, it's supposed to be uh, 50 degrees, right? Yeah. That kind of yeah. w- freaks out plants and insects and everything else. They're like, yeah. hey, is it time to wake up? And then you get, like, a frost again. So, more of like the oscillations, I think, which can be more harmful to insects than, say, Bare ground yeah. or that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, th- um, this is interesting. I want to. Uh, I might refer to um, refer my undergraduate class to this podcast because we've been talking about that oh. uh, quite a bit.
1: Or wintering survival.
0: Well, or- just yeah, the the factors that um, the abiotic factors mm-hmm. that affect insect survival, and <clears throat> one of the points I make to them is. Um, what's the most consistent variable hmm. that you would pick up in the environment if you were trying to predict when the seasons were going to change? And
1: oh. I you, would say photoperiod. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. See, you're smart. <laughs> You'd you pass my class. Uh, <laughs> yes, I yeah. would pass your three
1: seventy six. But
0: you know, the one of the most immediate answers, you know, when I say this in class is temperature, but. In a temperate region like Iowa and most of the corn soybean growing region in the United States, temperature can fluctuate quite a bit. Yeah. And if you were basing, you know, your decisions of, as an insect about when to come out of the soil and you know when to lay eggs and all, uh, based on temperature, um, it could be an unreliable indicator. Mm-hmm. Be a bad tell. Yeah. You know, if you were playing poker. Because um, it wouldn't be predictable. It, it, it could lead you to making bad decisions. But photoperiod very consistent because it's a function of where the Earth is and its rotation and the, the you know the tilt um, related to the uh, position of the sun. And so, insects a lot of insects use photoperiod to diapause time to do something winter, or and time then to, to not break do something. that <laughs> yeah time to do something time to not do something yeah. that's a good way of putting it <laughs> um, but the problem is things that are in the soil don't have access to the Sun and so yeah. they have to use temperature and, yeah. and it, I, you know it's interesting I, I think you're right in that for some things that are have evolved to this area this environment more consistent temperature um, is better for their development. Um, but uh, and so
1: soil would would play to that, right? It's not going to fluctuate. The soil temps, especially over the winter, if you're four inches down, are not going to fluctuate like our air temperatures right, can. So right. it's it's a little bit more stable that way. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but uh, in the realm of speculation, um, I was talking to Lance Mikey one time. He's an entomologist at Nebraska, and I said, you know, there we, I was when I was working on my masters, we had a year where we had a lot of root worms, and we saw evidence, I thought, for a lot of egg laying, but mm-hmm. the next year there were hardly any that come out. Uh, and I was like, you know, the crop went in fine. You know, we had a good stand early. We should have seen a ton of rootworms then. He's like, I didn't see any. He's like, yeah. He, he speculated, and this is years ago, that the a freezing, thawing, you know, con, you know, up and down temperature, and we had some extremes that, that year, it was in El Nino. Um, he said that might have worked against the rootworm because just the the sheer forces that go on in the soil from that, you know, ice forms and then yeah. balance and form, you know, yeah. could have uh, prevent, you know, one could have torn eggs apart and uh, disrupted the soil, maybe, you know, contributed to uh, mortality. Yeah, I never thought about that. I mean, it's kind of a just so story. There's, you know, that happened and we didn't, you know, we had a, a weird winter and then we didn't see any. Uh, next year we didn't really do a controlled experiment on the flip side what was it what was our last big winter here the really cold one the one that was like the coldest in 20 years was that 2010
1: where we had like that december was like the air temps were brutally cold for multiple days in a row and we had
0: like a record period of snow cover you know after that year you know you Real consistent, right? Cold for a long period mm-hmm. of time. After that year, we didn't see any Japanese beetles, no. and we've still having you know some they're of kind of slowly mothers, making
1: a comeback. But
0: really, yeah, yeah. I mean, so on one hand, you're arguing cold temperatures consistent throughout the winter might be good for insects because mm-hmm. it's consistent; they can you know um, hang out, hibernate, yeah. and then emerge you know once the temperatures are finally warm. But a real cold winter like that Mm -hmm. was really bad for something like Japanese beetles, which just couldn't deal with it.
1: Yeah, or even um, Mm. like, like I think about bean leaf beetle, they're very similar to as far as genetics related to corn rootworm they're in the same family but they overwinter as adults on top of the soil so in leaf litter oh, residue okay. and they yeah. are particularly susceptible to cold temperatures so the the life stage and where they actually spend their time over the winter makes it makes a difference too so just it kind of depends on the pest and and many other things but yeah, I, I don't know what was going on that a lot of people were asking me because we didn't actually get that much snow this week. I mean, we got a little bit, but it's not uh-huh. enough where I'm saying it's like a foot on the ground uh-huh. out in cornfields right now. I,
0: I get this question, I think, every year yeah. around this time. Yeah. And and the trigger is either a, a snowfall occurred or a melt occurred. And, and then people are thinking about, the coming growing season, it's like oh, yeah. I wonder how this will affect insects. Mm-hmm. As the entomologist, yeah. and the the one response I've, I've kind of developed is, you know, you don't you don't rely on the weatherman or the meteorologist to be your insect exterminator, because you mm-hmm. like you're pointing out, there's a lot of insects out there, and their response to weather varies. Mm-hmm. You know, some are much more cold hardy than others, and um, some we just don't know necessarily yeah. how they're going to respond to climate variation so yeah. the best thing to do is kind of hope for the best but prepare for the worst and just you know and be pleasantly surprised <laughs> if there isn't any you know if there aren't the pests that you thought there would be yeah um but you know don't plan on it
1: yeah, remember that winter when it was so cold it killed all the insects? <laughs> oh, wait, it never happened. Never so, I mean, that. even in Iowa, you know, yeah, right. there's going to be some survivors. Yeah. So.
0: Well, our, our favorite one, the soybean aphid, what, oh, it can man. survive, what, minus, is it 30?
1: It's like 29, minus 29. 29. And they are eggs Did out. Did you say
0: 30 and you corrected me to 29?
1: Yeah, okay. sorry. You can You're, right.
0: Me that. You're right. You're right.
1: Minus 30. Uh, anyway, minus 20. Those now. girls anyway. are cold hardy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 And they are eggs exposed out above ground. and So that's air temperatures. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. badass, I have to say.
0: Good for them. If I one. could.
1: I think I could, could. we we're gonna gonna this to, explicit. We're going to have to label this one explicit. <laughs> explicit I do
0: Is there anything else we should talk about?
1: I think that, that's about it. That's a good one. We're about at 25 minutes, All so right. you know that we're. Testing the limits of the patience of our
0: listener. Yeah, you can wake up now. (laughs) I'm gonna snap my fingers. Megan,
1: I'm giving you a shout out. Um, You know Megan Megan. Anderson? She's a field agronomist in Southern Iowa. Oh. She really appreciated our last episode. Oh really? Yeah. So she gave she gave us some comments. So we're heads up. uh, We're getting a few comments.
0: Send you out a tote bag. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We should have a listener challenge. What do they call those uh, on NPR? They're doing it right
1: like now. Like a ma- like a max Fond drive. listener.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just You, it, get we don't, you don't have to get, send us money. Just well, you know. you just, could send us money. Yeah, <laughs> okay. But just kidding. Save the money and just just, just send listen. us appreciation. Yeah. Just tell us that you listened. Mm-hmm. Then I don't feel so lonely. Hey, where else to find us? Uh, Google soybean entomology, and you'll get all kinds of links to our websites. Yep. Aaron is. Tweeting away on Twitter, at Aaron W. Hodgson. Yep. All one word. You can email us, O'Neill, that's spelled like Shaquille, at isate.edu, and E-W-H, EDU. Subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast? That's new. Pocket
1: Cast? That's, yeah, we've done that uh, over the winter. Oh, yeah? So a couple Pocket Cast. It's just a pod catcher type thing all that right. you can you can follow all the new episodes. Yep. Catch the Catching the the pods. In your pocket. In your pocket.
0: All right. Should we cue the outro music? Yep. Thank you. Okay.
1: Bye. Uh.